If I asked you to picture a spacecraft, what image would you conjure? Would it be the classic capsules from the late 1960s? A more modern space shuttle? Or are you thinking more sci-fi with ships from Star Trek, Star Wars, Babylon 5, or, you know, so on with all the others? Man had been anxious to get into space and claimed they were the first ones. The great space race that took place in the late 50s, up to when Neil Armstrong stepped onto the lunar surface, is proof enough of that. Thanks to satellites created during this time and after, we've learned a lot about various planets in our system and are now making plans to get boots on another planet, Mars. But we're not going that far on this journey today. Many crafts have been sent into the desolation of space, and most of them have returned to Earth, but not all of them get put into museums or archives. So where do they go? What happens to them? Well, they are sent into an equally desolate place. My name is Muriel. And this episode, we'll be exploring Point Nemo, the place where spacecrafts are buried, as well as a mysterious something else. But don't worry, by the end of our chat today, I'll have explained what spacecrafts, Cthulhu, and the Bloop all have in common. Before we start, please subscribe if you haven't already, as well as give a rate and review if you're enjoying the show. Those ratings and reviews truly go a long way towards helping out my little show. Now, let's dive in. Many have dreamed of venturing into space, and a few of those dreamers have accomplished that goal. We seem to remember the people, but never give a second thought to what happens to the spacecraft. Kind of like how no one really knows what happens to those campaign signs along the side of the road after an election. Which, I oddly have that knowledge, but that's a future episode. There's actually two options as to what happens to a spacecraft after its usefulness is done. The first option is for satellites and other various space debris that is unmanned. It's actually sent about 22,000 miles away to a space cemetery. There are reports, though, that that space yard graveyard is getting pretty full. Space officials are actually trying to avoid sending too much there, as things are in danger of hitting each other and causing hazardous space debris to venture away from their safe little location. For satellites, again, with the second option, once they're decommissioned, the remaining fuel is used to pull it out of orbit, and there's a 50-50 chance that it will just burn up upon re-entry. And that kind of takes care of where they're supposed to put it, because there's really nothing to... There's really no debris to do anything with. Alright, so maybe I miscounted. There's actually three options for what happens to a spacecraft. The last option is, f is specifically for spacecrafts, or, you know whatever remains of the satellite, if it was big enough. Uh, when it gets sent back to Earth, it gets buried at sea. More specifically, it gets buried at Point Nemo. 
Point Nemo is known as the furthest point from the ocean from any continent, but it has another name. The Oceanic Pole of Inaccessibility. Honestly, Point Nemo kind of sounds cooler and is literally the middle of nowhere on Earth in the scientific realm. The name took inspiration from the Jules Verne story, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and is located approximately 1,400 miles, or about 2,253 kilometers, and has been used as the official splashdown point since about 1971. It was chosen because of its remoteness, but also because it's in the center of a gyre in the ocean that prevents nutrient-rich water, which is required for marine life to flourish, from gathering, and therefore there's actually a real lack of marine life in the area. For those wondering what the heck a gyre in the ocean is, I'll give a quick explanation and do my best to keep it simple because I kind of nerd out out of um, I kind of nerd out when I learn fun, like really cool things. Hence the reason actually why I started this podcast. I wanted to start sharing my love of things. So I love sharing this info and it actually takes a lot of self-control to not jump into a hyper ram- rambling. I actually have to stop and pause multiple points while recording to take a breath and remind myself to slow down because I, I talk really fast sometimes. Alright, a gyre is a system of large rotating ocean currents. We actually have five major gyres here on Earth, but the one we are looking at is specifically the South Pacific Gyre. It kind of acts like a a whirlpool, but not quite like the giant scary ones you find in mythology. Think of it this way. If you have a large tub of water and you use your hand and you just drag it along the outer edges at a steady pace, it creates what looks like a giant whirlpool where the middle is in constant rotation but is also kind of dipped down a little because because of that whirlpool motion. Oversimplified, I know, but if you want to learn more, check out the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA for short, to learn more about them. I actually have a link in the description as one of my sources that I looked up to find out this information. I would reference my textbook, but college textbooks are insanely expensive, and I don't want to put you through that. (laughs) Back to spacecrafts. Remember how I mentioned how remote this place was? I mean, over 1,400, about 1,400 miles from the nearest, like, continent where people are? Well, here's another fact to bring it into perspective. Spacecrafts in orbit are approximately 252 miles, or about 415 kilometers above the Earth's surface, which means the af- the astronauts in space, and even those currently in the International Space Station, are closer to this spot than the people who live in New Zealand or Chile. Actually, those two countries I mentioned are the closest on opposite sides of the South Pacific Ocean, and they are the ones that officials contact days in advance before bringing a spacecraft back down to Earth. After a spacecraft has returned to Earth, the precious cargo is collected and the craft is prepped to be sunk approximately 
two and a half miles, or four kilometers, to the ocean floor. Wow, I mean, with all the space debris that has been coming back to Earth since the 1960s, and if you think about it, between the Americans and the Russians, there is a lot of it. I, I mean, how do they keep it from piling up and creating an island that rises out of the depths? I mean, as cool as that would be, I imagine it looks like something from the, mo from the set of the movie Waterworld. Tourism would most likely flourish, but over the years, and with the help of advancing technology, they have seemed to develop a system for keeping things from piling up and creating this Waterworld-like island. They kind of needed to as well. As I mentioned, there's a lot of space debris. There is approximately over 300 pieces down there. So how do they keep it organized? With the help of robotic freighters. They're able to actually spread everything out into assigned plots and make room for future capsules that return. According to this article that I found, the next item scheduled to be, quote, buried, there is the International Space Station that's currently up there. But don't worry, it's not going to happen anytime soon. It'll be about sometime in um, 2028, I believe. So there's some time. And I'm sure, given the size of it, whatever marine life happens to be even, like, in a nearby, like, radius is gonna have a definite shock through shock waves so oof let's hope it doesn't have too much impact on the marine biology or the marine life living there at this point in the episode you're probably still asking what does all this have to do with the bloop and cthulhu well don't worry listeners your patience shall be rewarded also, if you happen to hear a collar jingling in the background, that is my cat Jade. He is the quiet type, doesn't really meows, but loves to jump up on my desk or jump up on my bed and just kind of be in the room. So he's here supervising. He's my producer, I guess you could say. Anyway, <laughs> um, back to the show. The exact coordinates of Point Nemo are 48 degrees 52.6 minutes south and 123 degrees, 23.6 minutes west. If you need to see the visual coordinates or you have no idea <laughs> what this is supposed to look like visually, I do have a link to a, the NOAA site in my sources that you can kind of see what I'm talking about. The remoteness and lack of biological activity in the region caused a really great shock in 1997, and this is where we make our first connection. The bloop is known as one of the loudest underwater sounds ever recorded by microphones that were over 3,000 miles, or approximately 4,828 kilometers, away from each other. And it was reported right near where Point Nemo is. Not too far, actually. So this kind of gives me an eerie thought, though. What caused the bloop? I mean, technically, they have discovered the answer, but I'm not going to give that to you just yet. Because part of the answer, I would like to think, is the next part of the mystery and the next connection we need to make.
avid horror and science fiction readers have heard of the great H.P. Lovecraft, and most likely one of their first stories that they're familiar with is his tale, The Call of Cthulhu, that was released in 1926. In this story, it talks of the great god Cthulhu and his lair that is located in the lost city of... And I found two pronunciations for this, so please forgive me in advance. I, I don't know which one is correct. It's Raleigh or Rela. So how does a fictional god tie into this? Well, he might not be as fictional after all. At least that's what I feel after doing this research. And oh, yeah. In his tale, Lovecraft actually gives exact coordinates to find this lost city, and they are 47 degrees 9 minutes south, 128 degrees 43 minutes west. So remember those coordinates I just listed a couple minutes ago for Point Nemo? When you enter both sets of coordinates, you will find they're actually within 300 miles or about 482 kilometers of each other. At least that's a guesstimation from Google Maps. The measurements were kind of eh. I mean, it was a little closer to 200, but I gave 300 to be a safe zone. When he wrote this story and provided the coordinates, it was actually a full 50 years before scientists Lucatella, and I this is his last name. I am not even attempting his first name, but you'll find it in one of the articles in my sources. He discovered this remote location. 50 years. H.P. Lovecraft gave these coordinates before Point Nemo was officially discovered as the literal scientific middle of nowhere. Of course, this led some people to think that maybe Point Nemo was the home of an undiscovered creature. Which, you know, it could still be. However, sadly, for the believers, an article I found states the bloop was proven to be the sound of ice breaking uh, off the Antarctica. But honestly, I still think there could be something out there. I, before doing this research, the only thing I knew about the bloop was an episode of a show um, that was hosted by William Shatner that looked into mysteries, and it was listening to him that I that I heard all about the bloop. Of course, this was before they have some before they state they discovered what the bloop actually is. If this is your first episode, though, I'll restate a fact that. Uh, I had I've done previously in one of my oceanic episodes. We have explored the surface of Mars, more of the surface of Mars, excuse me, than we have actually explored of our own oceans. We have explored less than 20% of our world's oceans, which is scary when you think about it and you realize there could still be something out there. I mean, it's a bit of Schrodinger logic, but until someone disproves it, I mean, who's to say? I mean, I believe that Cthulhu could still be out there. There's a lot going on in this world. I mean, 2020 was a crazy year and things are still going that way. 
but I want to know what you guys think. Do you believe the bloop was actually ice breaking off the Antarctica? Or do you believe the bloop and Cthulhu are one and the same? Or is this just totally outlandish and explained by science? Uh, you guys can find the episode, uh, you guys can find the Instagram or Twitter post for this episode. Leave me a comment. Let me know what your opinion is. I actually, I'm, I'm really curious what you guys think. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And as a reminder, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so. And please tell your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart, and Amazon Music. If you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes, as every review really helps in building up my little show. You can follow me on both Instagram and Twitter at Explores. I am a little more active on Instagram than I am Twitter, but I do post on both. Uh, as always, you can find my sources listed in the description below. Royalty-free music is from Pixabay and was composed by Fanchi Sanchez. For next week, we are going to dry off a little and, you know, give the ocean a little bit of a break. And we're going to travel back sometime to learn about a few moments in history people deemed way too boring for the books. And personally, I don't see why, but... The reality, honestly, is way more interesting, so I hope you'll return. Until then, safe exploring, everyone. <laughs>